A quick note on language and disability, honestly. This show is about personal experience. It's important to allow people to define their experience in their own way. This means they may use language that you are uncomfortable with to describe their experiences. Please respect the language that is used and listen with an open mind. This week's episode focuses on spoon theory and crip time. I decided to combine both spoon theory and crip time for several reasons. The first being that I learned about them at similar times in my life, which is fairly recently, and also that I think they're things that able-bodied people don't know about disability that are very important to fully understand. So, spoon theory was created by someone named Christine Miserandino, apologies if I mispronounced that name, in 2003. It was created as a metaphor to explain the extra energy that people with disabilities use to function throughout their day. The way spoon theory works, it's that every activity requires a spoon. And so you have a certain number of spoons each day, which limits how many things you can get done. And the idea is that some days you have more than others, some days are better than others symptom-wise, so you can get more done, and some days all of your spoons go towards getting out of bed or taking a shower or whatever small single task you do that day. The reason I personally like spoon theory as a metaphor and explanation of disability is because it can easily be applied to able-bodied people. It allows them to consider the things they do in life, and if each one of them took a large fraction of their energy, how many things would they be able to do? Or just like how many, how much energy they use in a single day and how much extra energy disability takes because I know I personally struggle with executive dysfunction, which we'll cover in another episode, uh, which makes it a lot harder to complete simple tasks. Things like getting dressed are a lot of work, whereas for some people who aren't struggling with that, it's probably seen as one task, but for me, I break it down to like six so that it's doable. But that's six spoons instead of one, for example. I really like spoon theory also because it can easily apply to invisible illnesses, which is largely what I feel like I deal with because my cerebral palsy is not something that you can immediately clock. It's something where you have to have seen me walk around and known me for a while before you notice the minor changes that it has on my body. And that also applies to things like chronic pain or anxiety and depression, where you might not see the extra energy that's being put forth or assume that there's a disability at work, but there is, and it allows you to explain how you're feeling and how much energy you have in a sense that, while not useful to, like, doctors... I find helps other people with disabilities to understand where I'm at physically and mentally 
which is really important to me in terms of creating a disabled community around me. When we're talking about spoon theory, the way that's used in traditional life, I guess, is mostly the phrase, I'm out of spoons, or I don't have enough spoons, which, as you know by now, means they don't have the energy or the ability to do the thing. And that's why a lot of times people think of disabled people as isolated or as loners, when in reality, a lot of us are lonely because we want to see friends or we want to do something, but we just don't have the energy. We just cannot be there because the basic function of life means that you just can't. you got to get up and go to class. And you don't have energy at the end of the day to hang out with your friends, for example. I know for me, that was a lot of how spoon theory worked in college. I'd get a lot of messages from a couple friends that were like, we haven't seen you in weeks, months. Are you okay? We're worried about you, blah, blah, blah. Friends, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. But it was because I just could not explain how exhausting and unable to handle more than a college course load I was at that time. It, it took everything to be a full-time student for me in certain semesters. Sometimes it was fine. Sometimes my pain was manageable, but especially in a spring semester, which is when it's winter here in the Midwest, it gets real cold. And a lot of my pain stems from that, stems from like bad circulation and all that jazz. So winter is really hard, it adds extra stiffness. And so it was like not uncommon for me to go a month or two without seeing certain friends, even though we were on the same very small campus, campus where they bragged you could get anywhere in eight minutes. But it was not uncommon for me to just kind of fall off the face of the earth because I didn't have the energy. And I didn't really have the language because I wasn't really introduced to spoon theory until probably junior or senior year of college. I'm going to give that credit to a couple of friends that are disabled, specifically, who you'll hear from later. But I don't necessarily remember when I learned about spoon theory for the first time. But I know in the beginning of college I did not know what it was because I would have explained it to friends. Thank you, friends who put up with my disappearing act in college in the spring. Appreciate y'all. Something that I feel like I should address, but I don't necessarily have an answer to, is whether or not it's appropriate for able-bodied people to use the phrase, I'm out of spoons, which... I don't know if it's something I've seen or if it's just something that I'm prepared for viewers to say, listeners, what's happening, listeners to say, is that it's appropriation or something. I don't know. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve here, y'all. And I really want to know what y'all think of that. I'm going to be posting um, on Instagram at disabilityhonestypod, on Twitter at disabledhonesty. Let me know what you think. Also, you can let me know on email at disabilityhonestypod at gmail.com. 
whatever medium you want, I'm out there. Find me. Let me know what you think. I don't know where I stand, but I want to know what y'all think. I think that's all I'm going to say about Spoon Theory. I kind of just wanted to offer an overview, and if you have specific questions, like I said earlier, hit me up on my social media, which will be in the show notes, and let me know what they are, and I will come back and answer them in a future episode. But I just wanted to explain it a little bit. We're going to hear from our sponsors really quick, and then I'm going to talk about the other concept in this episode, Crip Time. We'll be back with more Disability Honestly after a quick word from our sponsors. This week's episode of Disability Honestly is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's free and so simple to use because of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even add music or sound effects simply. Anchor even distributes your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many more listening apps. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. The second thing we're going to talk about in this episode of Disability Honestly is a concept called Crip Time. And it's a relatively new concept to me, much like Spoon Theory, so please bear with me. And if this information is incorrect, let me know. But Crip Time. I learned about it from an article in Disability Studies Quarterly called Six Ways of Looking at Crip Time by Ellen Samuels. Basically, what Crip Time is is the way that disability changes how you function in the world and it can look like a lot of things for me one of the like most significant ways that i experience crip time is at doctor's offices because i have an understanding of the medical field that is way above typical for someone that's 25 because of my disabilities And so, in that sense, my clock in that, I guess, is fast-forwarded to a further point than it would be if I was able-bodied. Another way is just in terms of the amount of time it takes people to do things. And that's like the idea that requiring accessibility accommodations often takes longer because they're not used a lot. So sometimes accessible entrances are in the back or are locked because no one goes that way, so they don't keep it open. And so you have to find someone to do that. And it can take a lot longer just to do something very simple. Um, It's hard to explain. I'm going to link to the disability quarterly disability studies quarterly article for y'all um i do really like the line that says crip time is grief time it is a time of loss and of the crushing undertow that accompanies loss because i feel like i do a lot of grieving for the life that able-bodied mason could have had 
I don't know what that looks like, and obviously I will never know what that looks like. But I think it's something a lot of us who are disabled struggle with. What would life look like if I was able-bodied and didn't have neurological conditions? I don't mental illnesses. I'm not gonna call them neurological conditions. Mental illnesses. If I didn't have depression and severe anxiety, what would my world look like? How would it be different? And I think that's something I've heard from quite a few people that have primarily mental illnesses, just because that's the group that I have the most connections to, I would say. I don't have a lot of physically disabled friends, um, so I'm not in contact with a lot of people with disabilities. Find me on Twitter. Be my friend. Disabled Honesty on Twitter. I don't know how to talk like a person, but because of that, a lot of it is like, I bet I could have done more in college if I wasn't depressed. I probably could have pulled off a double major. Like, do I know? Obviously, I, I can't know that. That's not something that you can see. You can't, like, alternate universe jump and see what your world could have been. But I, I wonder a lot if in another universe, because I'm truly a believer in multiple universes, there is an able Mason who, and, like, what their life is like. What would life be like if I didn't have these immediate roadblocks? I mean, I know everyone faces roadblocks, but the idea that mine affect me from the jump, and there's sort of a ceiling on my capability. That's what my therapist says. She calls it a ceiling. I can't decide if I like it or not. Let me know what you think. But there's a limit on my abilities because of my physical disability, because of the way that anxiety and depression manifest in my brain and in my body and everything. And I just wonder a lot, like, who would I be if, like, any goal was achievable? Critical and Disability Studies Quarterly also goes on to say, Crip time is sick time. If you work a 9 to 5, 40 hour a week job, which is full time in the United States, then you accumulate a number of sick days. It's always a weird arithmetic to the process. Maybe every eight hours of work, you get one sick hour. Maybe every 20 work hours or even 40. It's never even a one to one ratio. You have to work hard to earn the time to be sick. The assumption, of course, is that we will not be sick too often. That is something that is like so real about my experience of disability. At my previous job, it was awful. The environment was super toxic, which flared up my mental illness symptoms. And then I was too anxious to get out of bed, so I missed more days. And there was just this whole cycle of, I'm too anxious to go to work. I'm anxious, and if I miss more work, I'm going to get fired, which would make me more anxious, and you would just spin around in that. And it's hard as a person with a physical disability and a mental illness for me to talk about my anxiety and depression as a disability because up until like a month or two ago when my therapist mentioned it, I didn't know, or I knew, I didn't consider 
those things disabilities I considered them burdens and like difficult things but I would have never classified myself as disabled for that reason something that people who were able-bodied don't really understand is how lonely it can be to function in crip time and how depressing that is to be on your own and going through things that people can't understand when i was eight and having my bones split in half to put a metal plate in them there's not another eight-year-old in my second grade class that like gets what that is there wasn't another freshman in high school who had a Achilles tendon lengthening that year that I knew. It's isolating, and so that leads to a lot of creative energy, just because... I don't know if I'd say creative, I'd say, like, writing energy, which eventually spun to creative, because I'm like, I can't talk about this with someone who gets me. So, I'm just gonna write it down, which then spun into creative energy. I don't know if this is me, like trying to find a good thing that happened from this because i need to do that in order to like not just spiral into depression forever um i don't know what's happening i'm gonna turn this off hey y'all quick note from editor mason i just wanted to correct myself and say that the title of the ellen samuels article is in fact six ways of looking at crypt time not sick six like the number i'm going to link it in the show notes so please read it i think it's super interesting let me know what you think contact me send me emails i really try to like find the positives in the universe and i don't know there's got to be something good from being disabled which is largely where that ramble about creative energy came from because if i don't find something i get really upset and angry at the universe and that's not good for anyone but by no means are you required to feel positively in any way about your disability i just wanted to throw that in there that that's just my own personal coping skill and you don't have to use it you're entitled to your emotions y'all if you want to get in touch with the show Email me at disabilityhonestypod at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at disabledhonesty or Instagram at disabilityhonestypod. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next Friday with more brand new content.